The Right Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Right Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and the Colony Meadery, the official gluten free booze made from honey of the process. Boy, it's been a week. Uh, you know, started off, it's been, I think, three games since the last pod. We had the win against the Hornets, which we all felt fine about, the win against the Cavs, which, you know, was a win, and then just a really pretty ugly game against the shitty Orlando Magic. Um, so this a, a week like this means that we get trade proposals in the mailbag, so I'll run a couple of those by you, and uh, we'll talk about the the cold shooting Tobias and the, uh, the pretty sort of uh, out-of-sync Sixers right now. Um, Blue Coats night, two-way night at the Blue Coats on sale now, $14 for your ticket. It's December 27th at the Sixers Fieldhouse down there in Delaware. That's going to It's re- Yeah, we're, uh, we're, I think we're really close to announcing that other thing that we're going to do there. Um, that was your idea um, that we were surprised they said yes to. So, I think it was your idea. Was it? I think so. Oh, it was. It was my idea, but you loved that idea, yeah. right, if I remember. I love it right. enough to claim it as my own so if <laughs> yeah. you want me to i'm happy to do that so that mystery idea we'll we'll be able to announce soon anyway your 14 bucks gets you a ticket to the game we'll do a ricky a live ricky on the court after the game with some blue coats players and uh it gets you a t-shirt a ricky and blue coats t-shirt and it's dollar dog night and as ben from kinetic reminded me i have to follow up with them about the uh the vegan option for me and at least Ben because we won't eat the hot dogs. Uh, again, 14 bucks for your ticket, writes rickysanchez.com. Fly the Process 5 is New Year's Eve in Indianapolis with TJ McConnell. We'll see the Sixers and the Pacers and then an all-inclusive New Year's Eve party that night and TJ will show up. Um, we had a, uh, a person reserve spots for, for uh, Fly the Process 5 from Ukraine uh, yesterday. Joe, let me know, which is insane. Love it. Um, go to rightsrickysanchez.com to reserve your spot. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Say the name. I say the name. I say the name. We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy that, even though has to watch the Sixers, at least doesn't have to be in the 23 degree temperatures in Philadelphia right now. Mike Levin, what's it like in LA right now? Oh, a br- brisk fall, fall day. Yeah, yeah. Some wind. High of 72, maybe, maybe a 48 or 50 at night. One oh, of those things. Oh, not that low. That's crazy. Uh, That's uh, crazy. Okay. Yeah, don't mean to don't mean to do that. So, man, um, I I don't even know how to kick this off. Well, I, do you, you want to start off with some good news? Yeah, my 
rec league team won tonight. <laughs> Can we analyze that instead of the oh, Sixers? Oh, man. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, <laughs> quick, quick recap. I didn't shoot that well. We took a big lead. I think I passed well. Some of my teammates were hitting open shots. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Charlie Widows, who played, although he was dealing with some back spasms. Mm. Um, played a team with a guy who I would say is like 6'4", 6'5", like 260. Oh, really, goodness. Really big dude. I'm not. Uh, at one point, he uh, forearm shivered me in the throat. And yes. When I, and they didn't call it. And when I complained to the refs, he said he'd do it again. And he wants to knock my ass out, which felt aggressive. Yeah, which felt yeah, a little yeah. bit much for yeah. a league game where we're not all we're we're not very good. We're not. This isn't this is you know fun competition, not you know cutthroat competition. I think it, it sort of depends on what your idea of fun is, right? I, I like mean. I play hard, and but and but this guy was is way bigger than me and stronger and meaner. Um, and at one point landed on me when I uh, dove for a loose ball and he landed on me and I'm bleeding out of a bunch of places and I took a muscle relaxer, which is why I'm probably loopy <laughs> just from, and it's also past midnight. Uh, my body is all sore and broken and bleeding out of places, but we won. I hit, uh, I hit the game winning uh, scoop layup with uh, about two seconds left and we won in overtime. It was nice. Wow. Are you, are you hoping that big guy's listening right now? So you yeah, I hope, he fuck, good I hope he's a huge fucking Sixers fan. He, <laughs> he threw a thing at me and started, I mean, threw an elbow at me and started, you know, just like chirping all game. And he thought, I think he thought he was going to get in my head, but look, and, I'm from, I'm from you, Philly, dog. I don't, you can throw anything at me. I'll keep coming. He, he might've thought he'd get in your head and uh, here you are several hours later talking about him with him not in your head. Hey, we got to win. Come on. I wouldn't have mentioned if we lost. (laughs) All right. How about I'll start with this and then we'll get into the game. What was it like? Was there any feeling for you seeing Markel Fultz play against the Sixers? Like a, a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about his actual performance, but like a reasonably functional Markel Fultz playing against the Sixers. Any feeling at all? Well, we're not counting the game we don't recognize from the preseason where uh, cameras didn't exist. It was actually played yeah. in the year 1936. I, I didn't see any of that. So didn't exist. Yeah, most uh, people didn't. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> any feeling? Any, so anything in your so much feeling. So many feelings yeah. that conflict that I can't even decipher what the prevailing one is. It's, really? It's just a lot of like, uh, what could have been? We had... So it was. It would have been such a nice love story, all of us together, and I, it just got so weird. I uh, I think too, if if it had worked, um, I didn't feel anything. But I checked out of that whole thing long before a lot of people did, even when he was here. So I'm I, I've sort of resolved all of that in my head, and it's turned to anger over the trade that like that's residual and not really anything for him uh, it barely feels like he's he was ever a sixer to me and i guess he, he barely he didn't even play that much even though he started last season 12 games the first 12 games he started um until they traded for jimmy and then it all went away honestly but, it would have been nice if they won a championship just so markel could have gotten a ring the last year yeah yeah, yeah. that would have been funny yeah uh i um what was i gonna say um, 
watching him, I even lost it. Man, that sucks. Look, look I had, this I had is something the podcast. interesting. This is the only time we can record this podcast midweek, and we're yep. both maybe at our worst. Yeah, it's 3 a.m. East Coast time and after midnight, you know, on the West Coast. Anyway, I didn't I didn't feel much. He I'm glad for him that he's playing. The um the jumper is still jacked beyond all like all get out. I'm I'm happy f- I, I can't believe that he just shoots those threes really without thinking about it and it looks so terrible. So bad. And he, he missed two. One was like Almost an air ball, skimmed the front of the rim, and Al Horford did his like flinch thing, which was a very strange time to do it. And also, he hit one that just hit the backboard, and both Allah and Zumoff were like, "Whoa, look at that!" Um, but you know, he's there. He's just going to have a career, but he doesn't look like it's bothering him at all. And Orlando's definitely an easier place to play than Philadelphia, so. Is what it is. I yeah, guess. go go do your thing, man. He's still somewhat good at the things he was good at, but um, you know, I think this is kind of who he is. Hopefully, he gets better. Oh, that's what I was going to say. If if he had worked out, you know, one of the things that I haven't that as they were going as they were going to the off season last year, uh, you know, when I said I said no on run it back, and I actually said at one point I would I'd rather they. Don't bring any of those guys back and just take a step back and slow down a little bit. Um, if Fultz had been functional, I think it would have been easier for them to maybe do less drastic things and sort of let it come as it came. Oh, easy. Um, you know, and that that's the thing that I think bothers me the most is that, oddly enough, the the failure of faults ended up speeding up everything, you know, at a, yeah. a weird rate. I think that's right. I think both the failure of faults and how good Embiid and Simmons were right away. Um, I think that if faults had worked out, this whole thing looks so different. Yeah. Um, and maybe it would have taken more time. Maybe they would have been more patient with him. Whatever, whatever. I wish he, I, was, I, I wish he was the guy that they drafted because it really would have been... Something to see, but uh, I'm I'm also happy with how the last how they've if the team has evolved over the last year and a half or so. So here we are, the Orlando game. Let Let's just talk about this game out in the outset. It was it was pretty ugly. the The six, you know, the 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 Magic started off shooting pretty hot and they shot pretty pretty well in the first half, but the Sixers up until about two or three minutes left in the first half had shot one free throw and offense in general um like looked especially when Embiid is not in there boy it 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 looks like process era offense sometimes in the number of passes and amount of movement it takes to get a shot that somebody will just end up taking um I don't know it uh, like I don't know whether to confuse their poor play for like the malaise that it sort of appears to my eye that they're playing with. You know, the Cavs game was pretty sluggish and this game, save for a few moments, felt sluggish as well. I don't know that the offense was always going to be bad, but it is pretty bad right now. Yeah, I'm I'm going to. So the Sixers have now played 11 games or seven and four. They are. Uh, three and four on the road and three and four and oh at home. 
Embiid's played, missed a bunch of games. Simmons missed some games. Al rested, which is great. I just, I'm at a place and I'm going to def- force myself to get to a place where it's like, they are, it's going to take time. It's just going to take time. And they're going to, it's going to be a slog. And if everybody's healthy, then we're going to be fine. But I, it's not great. The offense is ugly as hell and struggling. And it doesn't seem like they have any like go-to moves aside from Joel in the post. There were some things in tonight's game that I was like, oh, this could start, start to be a thing. And it's sort of, uh, aside from Simmons in transition and creating things out of nothing, which is easily their best offense when Joe's not there. But a little like high screen and roll with, with Josh and Horford that Josh walked into a couple threes on, and I thought that was nice. Like, How many times have we seen a, a Sixers ball handler walk into threes and hit him? Not much, ever. Um, so that was, I think, I think nice. I'd love to see him keep doing that and some pick and pop with Josh and Horford. I'd love to see that. Um, but yeah, they're struggling to gel combined with, uh, a couple absences and, uh, historically cold Tobias Harris from three. That's, that's pretty much all of it together. Yeah, so on the plus side, here's the the uh, here's here's the reason not to be alarmed. On the plus side, you know, aside from Simmons and Embiid, and you know, twenty five games of regular season games of Tobias Harris, uh, this is a, a team that largely has not played a lot together. You know, Kylo Quinn is new, and the both backup point guards are new. Josh Richardson is new. Horford is new, um, and they have not. You know, the, the preseason in the NBA is a, a joke. You know, they, they, there's just not a ton of practice, and they have not played a ton of games. The other thing to keep in mind is that, like, Tobias Harris may not be better than he was, but he's certainly not as a, 20, a guy that shoots 21% from three, right? Uh, Josh I, I'm starting to buy into the theory that the Wells Fargo Center is a cursed building. And even when they don't play there... Its tendrils <laughs> extend out yeah. to any uh, road arena. Ch- Chernobyl effect, perhaps, uh, as as was mentioned on the last pod. Love this theory. Love the Chernobyl effect. Yeah. So Tobias Harris won't shoot twenty one percent. You would hope. Josh Richardson isn't going to shoot twenty five percent from three. Um, you would hope. Now on the other end, I think Embiid is shooting like thirty nine percent from three. And that um, I believe it. Yeah, that <laughs> we can pick and choose that. There, there are a, a bunch of things that allow you to believe that most of this will not be an issue. Uh, the things that I would take to heart from all of this, the the things that I would be, um, the things that I, I would allow to to stick in your brain are that you know, as we were talking about last time, it does not appear that Simmons or Embiid to this point has done much or of anything with the things that we were worried about. You know, Joel uh, still has trouble passing out of double teams, and we're still talking about his fitness base, you know, f- fucking six years into him being here. Uh, ben Simmons has not attempted a real jump shot and doesn't look like he has any desire to. Tobias Harris uh, does not, to my eye, look like he has another level or anything, so he will be Tobias Harris. And, uh, and that, you know, that's, that's, a, and Josh Richardson is really great on defense and is a fine functional offensive player. But I think a lot of people had a, a 
myself included, had a little bit more expectation of what Josh Richardson was offensively. So I think that, you know, they will not, it will not be as ugly as it is. I think the thing that you would concern yourself with long-term is what really is the upside. And when they go into these scoring droughts, which they will go into, even when everybody is, is that their normal thing is that can, can they survive those enough? And can they, one thing that we haven't talked about is when your identity is we're this defensive team, it's, it's a lot more bring it and it's a lot more effort. Uh, and it's harder to get away with, you know, half, half-assed efforts. That's exactly know, because, right. That's exactly yeah. right. They're, they are built to be a playoff team. Well, and for better okay. or for worse. I don't think they're perfectly built okay. in any sense, but I think that this team is, you know, ready to punch you in the face. And they're not always ready to do that for regular season games. And they think they can sleepwalk through things. And sometimes they can when it beats healthy and a couple guys are hitting shots. But <sighs> there's going to be these games. I'm, I'm just choosing, maybe it's the drugs, I'm just choosing not to care. Uh, I think they still have a bunch of really good players. Uh, the Clippers are also 7-4. and four. It's the same record. Um, I think they're going to be absolutely okay. Absolutely okay. Um, and they're going to grow as the season goes on. I think they're going to make small tweaks at the fringes, getting another shooter type. I think Korkmaz being the most confident player on the team and maybe in the league is a good sign. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's playing every game like, like they – like he does extra – you know how Iguodala would throw a behind-the-back pass when he didn't need to throw a behind-the-back pass? Korkmaz is doing that with almost his entire game. He attempted a layup last night that – it would have been great if it went in. It didn't get in. It was a pretty special move. But I was like, do you think this is an all-star game or something? Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? He's got that little floater. He sort of like <laughs> yeah. starts to play at his own pace a little bit. We take a break from the Ricky to talk about, well, you know, if Tobias Harris is cold, then the deals at L.L. Pavorsky, oh, come on, man. They're, they're hot right now. You I, get it? Do you they get how hot that? You get it. So, uh, like a cabana. Uh, yes. They, well, it's not the cabana sale. You uh, you do confuse sometimes for the. Uh, a lot of times, I have to say, Mike. You know the the holiday party and sale is not the cabana sale. The cabana is the summer. The holiday party is during the holidays. It's always but, summer at El Alborski Jewelers. <laughs> There's always a cabana. So uh, LL, uh, our original sponsor, first one ever has sold 151 engagement rings, writes Ricky Sanchez listeners. And every year there is a huge holiday sale and party. This year it is the 32nd annual. It happens on uh, December 7th. Mike, a few things going on. First of all, uh, huge discounts, up to 30% off jewelry. Uh, also, it benefits, it's a completely uh, a benefit. So the, there's a huge raffle for $10,000 in giveaways. Like he gives away jewelry, he gives away gift cards, all that. And every dollar from that giveaway, which is usually a ton of money, this year goes to the Haven Women Organization, which um, helps uh, women when they get out of the military transition back into normal life. This is December 7th 
happens at 5 p.m. at 707 Walnut at L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. There is a ton of free free uh, past hors d'oeuvres from nice people. Walk around with like the, the metal tray giving away hors d'oeuvres and drinks, the, the famous Pavortini. And of course, L.L. Pavorsky's famous amazing sur- uh, service. I was going to say surgery, but he doesn't do surgery. Amazing service and uh, incredible jewelry at uh, just amazing prices. That's December 7th. If you want to RSVP, just hit up LL at uh, on Twitter um, at LL Pavorsky. And if you just want to go in and buy an engagement ring, hit up Lee on Twitter. Let him know you want to come in. He's going to get you a great deal. He's going to make you feel good about your purchase. Uh, he's going to give you a hug. He's going to make you feel better that the Sixers lost to the Magic and just barely beat the Cavs. Uh, 215-627-2252 is the number, as I mentioned, on Twitter at LL Pavorsky, LLPavorsky.com is the website and the uh the generous charitable man always donates to coded by kids and the providence animal center for every ricky pod ll pavorsky jewelers the only surgery he does is on your well-being <laughs> uh back to the pod uh i tweeted about this but i i did my i've been needing to buy new basketball sneakers for a while and i i was i got some cork colored yellows Real, Tobias wore the Korkmaz yellows too tonight. I don't he, know if you noticed that. He has adopted a color. Like he has, he is now a color. <laughs> how did it get? How did it get to be this way? I tweet. I've been tweeting about it, but like I'm so. It's still so shocking when he does anything, and I I do cackle laugh every time anything happens. And I will say he's moving his feet better. Brett Brett acknowledges defense. He's contesting shots. I I still think guys. Like, get uh, cartoon tongue when they see him covering them on 101. <laughs> like, it rolls out. Yeah, it rolls the out. Table. They roll back and they're so excited for it. Yeah. Um, so, but he, they're having l- seemingly less effect to my eye. I would love to see what the synergy numbers look like from year to year, but it seems like he's doing a better job getting his big, weird hands in there, stripping the ball and stuff. And I would say the same thing for Tobias. I do think he's moving his feet better and, and getting his hands in there. Um, but Korkmaz being this, ga- gaining the respect of his teammates this quick and the trust of him is good. And I don't know if that was something that happened in preseason or offseason or whatever, but they, they like him and they're treating him different. And, and it's, it's good to see because they need that. I will also say, and we can get to other stuff, but I will also say that the team still seems to really like each other. Everyone kind of across the board seems to like playing with each other and, ha- and the identity that they have. Um, and it feels like a supportive bunch. Like I, the moment, every team has this, but like the moment when Kyle O'Quinn got that breakaway dunk in transition and the whole bench kind of like went wild and was laughing and everything. It's like there's a, they're enjoying themselves playing together and it's a long season. I think they know what the ultimate goal is in the in the locker room after at least after wins they they say one two three chip and so they know what they're going for it is going to take a while we want them to get the one seed i i don't know that i think you made a great point about their playing style is a playoff style punch you in the mouth bring it style and they don't aren't capable or aren't willing to do that in november so whether that means they get the two or the three seed, who knows? I think they, that would not serve them well. But I, I, still, I still believe in the, in the total package across the board. 
Yeah, I, I would, you know, w- there's there's a difference between being built for the playoffs and the regular season not mattering. And for them, as as I've said, I think the regular season matters in in a couple of different ways. One, just to feel good about yourself and, and have everything working properly. But two, I don't want to play any more game sevens in another place, um, and especially against teams that are good. Yeah, and just win it in season. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the way. The Eastern Conference is weird in that, boy, the seventh and eighth seeds in the playoffs are going to be, maybe even six, are going to be fucking terrible. But the first five teams are all, sixers aside, um, included in the group, but, but forgetting about them, are all you know, a little bit better than I thought they would be. Um, I thought I was a little more optimistic on the the Celtics than most people were, but they look like they're pretty good and Hayward's not even playing right now and he seems normal. Um, Toronto is actually good. Um, the Bucks, um, probably not as good as last year, but actually good. And the Heat look like they will be good this year. So um, I don't want to play game sevens and I guess I wouldn't care in Miami, but I don't want to play game seven in Toronto or Boston or Milwaukee. And that that's why that's important. This episode, so, episode of Beef Corner, Spike versus Miami. It's going to be something every every. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, my God. I, I will never cheer for the Sixers harder than I will cheer in a, yeah. a, a series against Miami. That's right. Um, it, Tobias Harris, let's... To, and and the, the built for the playoffs thing is, and the the only other thing I would caution against. I mean, I've I've expressed a number of times. I don't need to again that that the playoff problem for me is the person who will get shots at the end of games. Um, is it is Embiid? Well, but but it can't be. It like can that, be that, if he gets better at passing at double teams. I know that this nope. has become my like, number one pet issue. This is my new like expand the bench, go deep into the rotations, but it's it is not. He's capable of doing it. He had a pass in in, uh, in Cleveland. I think he got the ball off a rebound and started dribbling up and fired like a 40-foot bullet pass in transition to Matisse for a corner three. And then just is so careless with so many other things. It's just a lack of focus or a lack of giving a shit or trying to look cool or whatever it is. Even just simple passes that result in either turnovers or guys getting the ball and not in their shooting pocket, whatever. And then... I think he just takes it personally when guys double double them and he's going to make them pay. But I don't understand why you wouldn't want to make them pay with just hitting shots, your teammates hitting wide open looks. And I, maybe it's maybe part of it is Alfie's been doing this his whole career. Maybe part of it is he doesn't trust his teammates to shoot to hit those shots. Um, but well, it's which would would be a reasonable. Yeah, but I mean, it's like Mike Scott. Like he trusts Mike Scott. Like he's open a lot of the time. Whether court well, balls, but even, I, or, or, I, or I would caution. I would caution against that. I, I don't think it's definitely wrong that all of the possible reasons why he's not good at it that you gave. I think those are all possible, if not likely. But he also might not be good at it. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, like I don't think anyone is is saying about Simmons like, well, he's not shooting because he doesn't. Well, I guess I have said that he doesn't want to look cool, but he, he uh, he's worried about not looking cool. I don't know. He might. It's been a lot of time. And, and here we have another summer where it would have been good for him to work on it all summer. And he, I don't know. He didn't. So it's not like a cool thing to do. I mean, like, OK, you're in the post. Someone sends a double at you. Who's open? Like, I'm sure that's not a fun drill. I don't know if your boy Drew Hanlon is running so many of those. But it should just be film room, like, hey, when they send this double, just kick it out. 
and get an open Even, look. It just feels like every so deep. This Sixers team seems to go deep into the shot clock more than any other team ever, and it's because they're they don't make quick decisions. They don't size things up. It is, or they they just keep sizing things up and just be like, okay, it's gonna be me against this guy for a while, and they shoot it with like two or three seconds left. Well, but they don't they don't have anybody who who does it. That, that's the point. I I'm and I I promise not to do a, a big picture thing um, because I want to talk about Tobias Harris and uh, and the Cleveland game a little bit here too and and the idea of Embiid not playing in this game, which I think we're all fine with, but but also is related to another Embiid issue. But the the reason that all of that takes long is first of all they have a lot of you know they have some bigger, slower players that don't work quickly. Tobias Harris is not like a fast guy. Um, and he works, like even when he's running a pick and roll, it's like sort of a a um, slow, slithering, like, um, and takes a couple of times pick and roll. Like, and B, there's nothing fast about that. But I, I think what I, what I would say about the playoff thing is that, and the reason that they don't get shots quickly is that they don't have anybody who can do it. There's there's nobody on the, like who is the best isolation or pick and roll player on the team? It's, it's like fucking Trey Burke. <laughs> it's crazy, and and there are just there are not like in the history of the league there are not teams that win championships without one of those, and that is that is my my biggest concern playoff wise. But the other thing I would say about them being built for the playoffs is that. Um, I'm I'm not like I'm just not a huge fan of a team who has never won anything thinking that their effort level can just change at a drop of a hat and everything will work better and I I just that that's the weird thing about having Horford and um you know who will take some games off and even Tobo, Toby who will take some games off is that like I just saw and the Bucks didn't win the championship last year so maybe this is a bad you know um a bad comparison to make, but I just saw the Bucks last year and Giannis last year to say, you know what, we want to obliterate everyone in the regular season, and and every game was an important game. It seemed like, and it just, I I think it's a lot harder for a team who has never gone through the motions of or, or gone through the steps of winning a championship to know what turning it up to that level feels like and doing it at the drop of a hat. I don't disagree with that. I don't. Yeah. Um, I I would also say I think the reason just. Their defense doesn't look super sluggish to me. I think occasionally guys gamble too much. Mm-hmm. Simmons has been freelancing some. I think Matisse has played better the past few games, but there was one moment where uh, DJ Augustine drives on Korkmaz, gets the rim. I think Matisse thought he was going to go up with it and he was going to be able to get like a, a blindside block on him. Uh Augustine pivot foot see, sees that Matisse has left Terrence Ross wide open in the corner, easy kick out, easy three. And so it's those things of like, you know, those kinds of things are going to happen, some mistakes you're going to make when you're trying to get steals. Um, Sixers team, I think, still leading the league in steals. Um, the defense to me doesn't look sluggish. Josh Richardson going after it. Simmons goes yeah. after it, all those guys. Uh, obviously, it's going to struggle a little bit more without Embiid, but Horford and O'Quinn are not terrible options to to anchor a defense when uh, when you're resting your best player. And um, I fucking love Kylo Quinn. Yeah, as, what a guy! Come on, boy, he is he's awesome. He is, dude. He is so good. I 
in his his good plays per minute when he's in there is higher than anybody else. Oh, in it's the so team. fun. Pass, uh, I, the passing. I love passing from a high post and always one of my yeah. favorite things. But he, the the defense to me it never never rarely looks so bad. It's the it's the offense. It is it is sluggish. There is not. I think Brett and as you talked about, I think you wrote about. Um, he's he draws up some great after timeout plays. And he's won a bunch of games for us just by like a couple really nice uh, closeout plays. Um, otherwise, this record could be could look a lot worse. But in the regular parts of the game, they just they're just standing there. They're just swinging the ball. There's not there's nothing easy. It's never an easy thing. And uh, I'd love the I, I like how good they are at offensive rebounding. Ennis. Ben had a nice put put back uh, Tobias. However, they get they get knocked the ball out a lot of times. Those kinds of things. I would just like they need to take the first good look they see, whether that's a three, whether that's really anybody shooting it, and go clean up the glass if you need to. But these like wait out the shot clock, stand there, do nothing, get the ball with like five seconds left on the wing, try to beat beat your man down and, and hit like a step back. It's just not working. Well, it's their offense should not be this bad. They're like 18th or 19th in the league, and it's like that's yeah, that's not what it should be. They they need some practice days to like institute something because it's there's nothing there. I I said earlier tonight there's a thin line between good ball movement and hot potato, and it seems like like two things about their passing. It it seems like there are too many um, and somebody not just settling for something occasionally. Uh, and the other one is, is that a lot of the ball movement doesn't even result in what anyone would call a good, a good shot sometimes. Now that is um, sometimes that's a statement about the personnel, you know, and I, I think a little results based in, you know, maybe if, Maybe if uh, Josh Richardson is shooting 38% from three instead of 23%, we feel different about some things. I yeah. don't know. Um, so before we get to Toby, actually, because you started with the Brett Brown stuff, the, of course, when they lose a couple of games, um, the Brett Brown people come out. I am disappointed. You know, I think we saw for a few years, oddly enough, when the team was the worst talent-wise, the kind of offense that Brett would like to run the most um, it's sort of a fast-moving, analytic-friendly, you know, at-the-rim, shooting threes um, type of offense. Uh, like a lot of motion, not a ton of pick-and-roll, but a lot of motion. Almost um, maybe Warriors-y at, uh, on some level. Um, but now he is at the point where he has to, and this is, it comes, it comes for every coach, and, and it's when they find out how good they are. It's why... Belichick is such a good coach, is looking at your personnel and trying to find out the best way to win with the personnel. Even Popovich, it's funny to see that Spurs team, like some years be an incredible defensive team and some years be a great offensive team based on who they are. So he is in the process, just like the team is in the process of figuring out the best way, um, what the rotation should be, just with all of these new players, um, seeing how they play with each other, you know, I think that will cost them some games as well. Um, trying to, you know, he played Horford with O'Quinn the other day for a few minutes. And, you know, I, 
I, I can't imagine any world in which that works, but when you have limited wing depth or limited perimeter depth on your bench, you know, throw it out there and see what happens. We take a break from the pod to talk about our only alcoholic sponsor that we know of, Colony Meadery. Mead, a, a gluten-free booze made from honey that is as old as time. You know, they go back to the, the Big Bang and they were making mead. Um, like I said, that the, the gluten-free thing is important because people that are gluten-free go to a bar and usually there's maybe one or two ciders there or something. You don't have any other options. Colony Meadery. There's tons of flavors. If you go to colonymeadery.com, what do I have sitting in front of me right here? I have a bottle of the Earl, which is just pretty much like a straight mead. Um, you know, I say it's made from honey. Most of it doesn't just taste like honey, but the Earl is like a, a yellow colored straight mead, which is almost 10% alcohol by volume. But uh, tons of other flavors. Right now, there is I Demand More Pumpkin Spice, if you're in the pumpkin spice mood from the uh, for the fall. I Ain't No Peach, which is um, centered around our favorite uh, bench uh wing slash four, um, which is a peach and ginger mead. There's grapefruit league, which is what it sounds like. Limey, the ginger Wu Tang Cran, a cranberry mead at 13% alcohol by volume. Just go to colonymeadery.com. Some comes in cans, some comes in bottles. And if you don't want to order online, it is all over the place in, uh, in the Philly area at every Wegmans in Eastern PA at uh, beer love at whip tavern at, uh, Bella, uh, I said Wegmans, right? Uh, foodery, um, tons of different places, uh, Johnny Brenda's De Bruno brothers. So I tell you, if you're sick of what you're drinking and if you want to be cool, like all the cool kids, well then, and you're over 21, then you will drink mead from Colony Meadery. Uh, if you go to colonymeadery.com, use the code Ricky for $5 off. Again, that is the code Ricky for $5 off. Must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. The Colony Meadery. Back to the Ricky. Aside from all of the trial stuff that they will all uh, that they will have to do, and you saying that you are confident that later in the season it will come together better offensively, do you find any? Do you have an, have have had actual issues watching these games, thinking about Brett Brown? Um, a little. I mean, it's it's part of it. I don't think him exclusively. I don't think he's the problem. I think this team is not quite there yet, and I think he and they need to gel better. I loved his quote that he's he sadistically likes the close games because he gets to trot out some of the end-of-game stuff he, he's been drawing up. But it'd be really nice if this team just, for 44 minutes, beat the shit out of somebody, and then yeah. we could bring, bring in some scrubs to close the door. Well, like we did in the beginning, uh, like, I mean, the Boston game, I think, and, felt, and the Minnesota you know, game. yeah, the, there was, you know, during the Boston game, actually, th there was one thing I noticed as the Sixers had one free throw with two minutes left in the third quarter is the two things that that were evident to me during the Boston game or that it felt like, oh, this is what we're going to see. The first thing is, is how hard it was for the Celtics to get the shot that they wanted to get. Now. The Sixers have competed on defense, to your point, since then, but I don't, I don't remember seeing it quite like that. Now, that, there was a lot of energy in the building that night, and it felt like a playoff game, and mm -hmm. I think that, that you know, um, and just like the, the, Celt the, the, you know, the, the Celtics needed to try to figure the Sixers out, too. So, but the other thing was how many fouls the Sixers were drawing. Um, 
last night or in in the first game. I think the Celtics were in the penalty really quickly, almost in every quarter. Yep. And, and I don't think Simmons shot a free throw last night, and I don't think Tobias Harris shot a free throw last night. Neither did. Against and that's huge. The Magic. That's exactly right. They, yeah. If they're going to be, it can't just be MB that gets the line. It can't. One of Simmons or Tobias should be making a living at the line every game, whether that's matchup dependent or just them deciding to take it to the rim and absorb contact. But it's not happening. They need to do better at that. They, they, they're not a good enough team. They're not a good enough shooting team to not. And they spend so much time with their backs to the basket. They need to get to the line. They need to have free points there. Um, it seems like half of their shots are like contested hook shots after, you know, ramming your body into another guy for like three or four times. And they're missing threes. I think I believe in their ability to hit them uh, at a league average rate and hopefully the rest comes. But without Embiid in there, they need to find ways to score and the line is absolutely one of them. Without, I don't even want to talk about the Simmons three-pointer thing because it's not going to happen, But the or jump shot thing, it's not going to happen. He hit the, the turnaround in Cleveland. Yeah, but it's a, it's not even a good shot. He's no. like 6'10", you know, <laughs> just, just go it's, straight up. It's nice to see it go in, though. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's just he he fades away. He and Embiid, I'm like looking at both those guys. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You're bigger than the guy that's guarding you. You don't need to fade away. Um, uh, and that's it. That's, Embiid fades away on far too, for a guy that gets to the line a lot, fades away on far too many, gets cute in far too many things. Yeah. Um, but I think part of that too is that he's not in shape and it takes more effort to go to the line to get fouled than it does to fade away. Um, but the Simmons thing is around the, two things. I would say around the rim. I want to see, you know, as you said, fewer like hook shots and weird flip floaters, and more just even if you make one of two, getting the foul is big. You know, getting the other team in the penalty is big, and I, I think it. You know, you can get good players in foul trouble. You, I think the other team gets disheartened Absolutely. when they get called for fouls. Yeah, and, and the other thing is um, on fast breaks. I was talking with Rich Hoffman after the Cavs game because I said something about the Simmons jump shot thing. It looked to me affecting him on fast breaks too because his fast breaks seemed less effective. And what Rich said was, which I thought was apt, was that without Redick there, he was a, a huge help on the fast break yeah. because he would, go, he would go right to the wing. But the other thing that Simmons could do is just sort of muscle his way to the rim and get fouled. And those are two opportunities that I think that he can, he can get fouled where he's not to, to help, yeah. you know, if he's not going to shoot. Easy so. buckets across the board. And I think, yeah. I think some easy buckets will happen once the three starts coming from everybody. Um, and I think going to line is another example of that. And just, you know, Ben had a put back, put back dunk, which was nice tonight. I would love to see, continue to see more him rolling on those things. And even in transition, he's got, he does he did this little like tr fake dribble handoff that then allowed him to just have a wide open lane that he can sort of gallop through. Those kinds of things. I think he's so good in transition. I would love to see him get fouled more in it, but I I generally trust his instincts there. I think it opens up a lot of offense, and the the less you have to see, especially without Embiid, Sixers half court offense slog. Uh, I'm thrilled with it. So let's get as many free buckets in transition as possible. Tobias Harris, um, you know, shot 0 for 11 against 
from three against the Cavs, but had three really big plays down the stretch, two buckets and a, a great pass uh, to Embiid. I, I think I'm not worried about him, his shooting percentages. And I, I what about know, his poops? Brent, it, well, yeah, it was convenient when that happened. Um, hey. The Sixers, the most the most gastrointestinal challenge team in the NBA for sometimes three years poops running. Sometimes are convenient, sometimes they're not. You can't predict yeah. when they're going to be good. The, the I don't I don't as Brett Brown said after the game I want him to keep shooting. The thing that I think I am really finding out about Tobias Harris that is troubling because I didn't expect him to be any better. I I actually like have I think I had a pretty realistic view of what Tobias Harris was, which is a fine player. But the thing that I am noticing that I wanted him to do that I just don't think is who he is, is like he is not going to be a quick trigger three-point shooter. He's just not that guy. Nothing he does is quick trigger. Like there's no offensive move that he makes that is good. And he's got a nice looking jumper, right? Especially you can see it in those couple of shots that he hit down the stretch against the Cavs. The mid-range. Nice, like, yes, 17 footers. Um, which is more of what he's been in his career than a three-point shooter. And I, the hope that I had that he would shoot more uh, three-pointers than maybe he'll shoot more than he has, but he's not going to shoot eight or nine a game. He just isn't. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't play that way. And I think that is more than him missing shots. That is the thing that that I'm a little worried about. The, with one, the one thing that I will say, like it's still early in the season to where guys can adjust and stuff. And I think the weirdly, the NBA focusing on those gather, uh, those the catch and attack and closeout travels. Um, mm-hmm. He's been called for that a lot. Like I would guess more than five times so far this season in 11 games. Um, and, I think that might sort of psych him into just shooting on those things. Yeah, I mean, he's a good shooter. He's a good shooter contested. Like, he, he has those contested mid-ranges down. He likes, he can get his feet sort of squared in an awkward way and still feel look confident going up with it and, and hitting those shots. It'd be nice if he felt that from three. Right now, it doesn't look like he does. I'm fine with him shooting it. He's missing shots. Keep shooting, man. Just keep shooting. We can't, we can't have anybody else getting in their head. We are no. the yeah. therapist yeah. is busy. We are out yeah. of time. I'm so sorry. Book solid. We can't do it. <laughs> so just keep rising and firing. Shoot yourself out of it. Go to the line. You know, do some back cuts. Figure it out. But you know, eat healthy. Boost your immune system. Add fiber. Do some regular, regular co- post coffee shits in the morning. I, all of that stuff, and keep shooting because they'll start to fall. And it's nice, you know. I think it's nice. I think it's nice that we're wasting all of the bad, bad Tobias for early in the year, and he's just going to be due and get very hot when it counts. Well, that's you know that was always the Covington fight. Was people were like, ah, he's not consistent enough, and the fight back was like, well, shooters go hot and cold so maybe maybe you're right i would love to get cold tobias out of the way i also love the line that the therapist is all booked up um we uh we got a little like good trey burke i can't remember if it was the charlotte game or the uh yeah game i don't think it was was the charlotte game and he was available for the uh magic game and he didn't play at least to my memory he did not play um 
I don't know. I, I feel like when they are, I, it's kind of sad that we're depending on Trey Burke, but I feel like when the offense is sloggy, I don't know. I, I guess in my head, throwing in three minutes of Trey Burke is, or five minutes of Trey Burke is something that I would not be against. Sure. I, 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 it, he, he was injured, so I'm, they might have been like, he's available, but only if okay, we like, really but, need him. But he's not back yet. Yeah, yeah. that might have been it. Um, and I don't mind anybody taking precaution this early in the season. I didn't think their off, the, the offense looks... The, this this was not... I watched it on delay because I had my game. Uh, so I I was expecting it to be worse, but it for the first three quarters, I think we're good. I, something about the fourth quarter, the Sixers have gotten destroyed in multiple fourth quarters the past couple days. And well, it's because it's when the other team plays defense. I guess you know the, the Cavs didn't score for three and a half minutes at one point in the fourth quarter, so they were the, the Sixers were playing fine defense, but um, but the Sixers still only won by a point. And I, you know, I, I, I that would be my guess that that's part of the issue. Um, I think the Denver thing has to do with their unfair home court advantage. But, Ooh, um, are, but they, are they still feeling the effects of Denver? <laughs> Maybe, is, is like new, China? New China? <laughs> is it this year's China? Um, and the, the other thing I wanted to, uh, to get to, it's good that Shake Milton's back. Uh, did not look great tonight, but um, it's good that he's back. He, you know, he was hitting shots when, when he got hurt, so I'm glad that he's back. Yeah, uh, and, the, I, and uh, I think there's a good mix of... I think it, Brett has, you know, the rotations will shorten, but Brett's going to have options of those guys, of what each of them brings you. Like, if you need, if you need to, like, a, a little more offense, a little more ball handling against a team that you still, that's still big enough that you don't feel comfortable playing one of the real point guards, then Shake is your guy to play off Simmons. And if you want just, like, something's gotta, somebody's got to get an interception and deflect some balls and piss some people off, then it's Matisse. And so I think there's going to be options across the board, and guys are going to get better as the season goes on. Hopefully they stay healthy. Um, I, I I can't remember seeing any, if at all, Neto and Simmons minutes, which I think would be good. Yeah, I think they I, they I, played exactly no minutes together. Simmons played 35, Neto played 13. No, I, I just mean in general. I, I, I don't I don't I don't remember seeing yeah. very many. I think Neto they might have a little Simmons. bit. Brett Brett did say they can play together. They can live in the same of ecosystem, course. which I yeah. which I agree with. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I Shake was okay. He's working himself back in, but he had that nice little lob to Simmons for the one handed dunk. Um, happy he's back. Need everybody healthy. Need some w- wing bodies that can dribble a little bit. James Ennis had a nice little scoop lefty layup off the drive. That was a weird one. Yeah, man. He's going to be a guy that either wins us a playoff game or loses <laughs> us a playoff game. I mean, that is, those are the only two options. An entertaining watch. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the last thing before we get to the mailbag that... Um, so, you know, Embiid sits second night of the back-to-back. I'm sure he didn't want to. I'm glad that they did it. The, the sort of annoying thing is the play himself into shape bit and taking games off when he's playing himself into shape. And I understand big picture, but I I even said, I think I texted Bodner after like the first two games. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And B doesn't look right to me. And, um, you know, I... I understand that the only way, and I've had several athletes tell me this, like the only way to be in game shape is to be playing in games. That's what you need to do. You need to play in games to be in actual game shape. 
But I do think there is a middle, there is a, like a middle that you can reach that, and I don't know if Embiid is not doing it, but my assumption is that he isn't, is that when you're not playing in games, you know you could do an hour of cardio. You know, like, and it just seems like, like this many years going into the, uh, in the, the Embiid experience to have Brett say, you know, we're trying to get him into shape. I don't know. It's not great, man. <laughs> that, that I don't like hearing, and I wish I would stop hearing. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think that there's been a couple things. We, we, you mentioned how the main guys haven't gotten better at stuff yet, and I mostly agree. I think Tobias on defense I mentioned. Josh, you wish he was a little bit better of a passer, but walking into those threes I think is nice. And uh, starting to get the line a little bit more. He's a dog defensively, all that stuff. Embiid, I, legit, I think the shooting progression is real. And I think you can tell just from the foul line that he expects to make every single shot. And he could shoot 85-plus percent from the line this year. Um, Simmons, I think, also taking more chances defensively. Wish the jumper was there. It's not. But, yeah, they're, all, they're just a spike. They're just a weird fucking team with weird fucking guys. And it's never going to be normal. And here we are just having to analyze it, being like, oh, maybe they should run a normal play. And it won't happen. They have just weird, weird, weird stuff. The building is cursed. It's too cold, whatever. It's where we are going to be forced to talk about this bizarre ass team for the rest of our natural born lives. And that's how it's just going to be. End of thought. Uh, um. Uh, so mailbag, um, I want to, there's one that is not in the prep sheet because it had questions for you that I, I think was really funny. I wanted to just tell you some subject lines from emails we got after the game tonight. Um, is Ben Simmons just a bigger MCW? No sympathy for Ben. Help me. I'm freaking out. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm not going to start with one of those. I will start with one. Uh, it's a really long email with a process pup picture in there from Matt. Um, and, you know, the, the first thing he mentioned, which I thought was really nice, the day before the live Ricky, his dad had a, his second stroke. Um, and it was a real tough time for him. And he was in the hospital. And he made the decision to come to the live show Friday night. You know, sometimes when a loved one is in the hospital, you feel like being there is the best thing. But sometimes getting out of there is also the best thing. You know, you're not the one, you're not the doctor. Um, and he mentioned what a great night it was getting away from all of that. Um, but uh, it's a long email. But this is the part that I thought was really great. Uh, lastly, I started listening to some older Rickies um, on my new hour-long commute to work and started cracking up at some of the Mike descriptions of players. I thought it might be fun to read him some of his own descriptions to see if he can remember which player he was talking uh. about. This is fun. So, so I started saving a few of the funnier ones. Um, I started uh, recording the episode dates later in the list because I thought it was interesting. Okay. So I will save your description, and then you will tell me who you were talking about. Oh okay? All right. For the, uh, the first one, legitimate defensive game changer for years to come. Uh, Andrew Wiggins? Uh, Nerlens Noel. Oh, okay, good. Uh, yeah. So these are all Agree still. sixers. Yeah, these are all sixers. All right. This is a good one. He's got this slow, like weird, like lefty turn kind of gaze at the basket, turn his body. He doesn't square up. 
like it's a weird everything is beautiful. <laughs> Why does anyone listen to this podcast? <laughs> um, so he's lefty, right? Yeah, there's there's a hint in there. Yeah. I would guess it's Elliot Williams. It's Tony Roten. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, okay, three more. Quote, not a T-Rex. <laughs> and the discussion was about why he can't ever block anyone. Ogafor? Uh Evan Turner. Yeah, that's, that should have been more obvious. All right. And these two, are, these two are great. Um, oh, actually, okay. Um, these two quotes are about the same person. Um, one, a hinky signing waiting to happen. Two, a great floor general. And this is somebody that ended up being a sixer. <sighs> Was, but wasn't drafted by the Sixers. Correct. I have no idea. Uh, Kendall Marshall. Sure. <laughs> Still believe I should have got him. Him or Ogilver is the is the guy that caused Hinky's job. And we take one more break to talk about the official lawyer of the process. That is, um, uh, I was going to say LL, but it's not LL. It's Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Mike Adam Cornblow helped out a person very close to me recently. And even though Cornblow uh, is a personal injury lawyer and they are the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley, he is an expert in all things law. So he helped out that person close to me. He likes to give you some recommendations based on auto insurance. Because a lot of people, they just go for the cheapest thing and they don't know what all those options are. Few things, just to remind you. Full tort, I know it costs more, pick full tort. These things will pay off if you are ever in an accident and need to make a claim. Love Under tort. And, love tort, you need as much tort as possible. Underinsured and uninsured motorist coverage. Get a lot of that. That means if you get in an accident with somebody and they don't have insurance um, and they are at fault, that means that your insurance company uh, provides funds that you can sue for. Um, and the other thing, um, uh, what is it? The regular use exclusion. Well, if you drive cars that aren't yours regularly for like work or something, if you don't tell them to put that in there in the insurance and you get in an accident in those cars, your uninsured motorist coverage won't cover it. So make sure you do that. Cornblow, you know, a lot of these uh, personal injury law firms that you call in this area that you hear advertised, you call and it's not really the law firm that you're calling. You're calling a referral service. That is not the case with Cornblow. When no. you call, no, there's, there's a, a lineup of Cornblows in every one of his Delaware Valley offices ready to take your call. Um, and if you want to talk to Adam, you just talk to Adam. So you call Cornblow and Cornblow, you get a Cornblow. And a I said, closet full of robot Cornblows, replaceable. <laughs> In an instant, at your disposal. If one goes down, they just pull another robot cornblow out of the closet. Um, uh, they specialize in medical malpractice, but they, uh, they handle all kinds of personal injury. So if you think you might have a case, if you've been hurt in any way and you think somebody might be at fault, give them a call or shoot them an email. It doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200. I called him the other day asking for help for uh, that person close to me, and he did, has not sent me a bill. Um, so that, that just tells you what you're dealing with. Again, 215-576-7200 or just email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. Uh, cornblow and cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Back to the Ricky. And finally, 
He's like everyone I know, except he has millions of dollars and he's a foot taller. (laughs) (laughs) Who would be like everyone I know in that that he plays like everyone I know? No, I I, like, look, this is where I think our uh, your perception of this guy changed a couple of times and it probably sits in a bad place now. Um, But this was very I will tell you, this is very early on. This is in like the first five months of the podcast. Uh, Spades. Spencer Hawes, after you had seen him at the bar, you remember hanging with Spencer very early on. Um, All right. Next uh, email comes from Michael. I was listening to the pod, hearing you two discuss Ben's lack of willingness to shoot and any reasonable jump shot. And right around the time you mentioned the Andre Drummond three-point shooting stats, it really hit me. At what point do you have to begin to hold Brett accountable for what, for when ben, for what ben refuses to do on the court? Or is this squarely on Ben? I'm a huge Brett Brown supporter. He's in, endured and thrived in an ecosystem that would have spit most other coaches out. That being said, Brett and Ben have a unique relationship due to Brett's history coaching Ben's father in Australia. Do you think there's a weird dynamic as a result? I can understand babying Markel as it was so apparent that his confidence was shattered. But with Ben, it's just reinforcing this weird neurosis that it's legitimately bad for our team and his development as a professional. With Ben's brooding personality, is Brett so afraid of alienating him that he can't properly coach him? Seems like a stalemate to me. Now, I don't agree with the the sentiment that Ben has a brooding personality. He's not Edge and Christian. Come on. Well... I, we don't know really, right? I mean, I, I think generally he's that way with, I, I think people see that with press and don't get too much emotion out of him either way and assume that he's like aloof, I guess. Uh, I, I, I think brooding is probably wrong. He's not always in a bad, he's not like Russell Westbrook, um, you know, who always seems like he's pissed off at something. I will agree with that. But of all the people who have, normally when people say Brett Brown has to make him shoot, or whatever, I, my response is that this is not like eighth grade basketball. You, you can't make a professional player do anything. But I would say of all of the people who have brought that up, his like maybe too close to him, you know, yada, yada, yada stuff, I think brought up the, I don't know, the first time that I've actually thought that there might be something to that. So I guess the short question is how much do you hold Brett Brown uh, responsible slash accountable with, uh, with the Ben Simmons shooting thing. I have no idea. I really don't. I, why must we live through players unwillingness to shoot a basketball? We are destined to do this forever. Again. I can't, yeah. I have no idea. I'm not going to guess why we, this is, this is just the reality. This is it forever. Here we are. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be a thing. You wish guys were just, oh, he shoots now. Aaron Baines, fucking best player of all time. Shooting. Went from nothing. Andre Drummond sucks. He's shooting. Markel sucks. He's shooting. I mean, I'm not saying like he. you want him to only take bad shots. I'm not saying everybody should just always be shooting threes. But, you know, what are we doing? Why shoot him in warm-ups? What's the point of that? I don't know. I just um, don't know. 
All right. We'll end it with two emails that are both uh, trade proposals, which I know you'll say no, both no to, but I, I would like to just bring them up to you. Um, this one comes from Nick. Um, I don't listen to the, I, I finally weaned myself off of all Bill Simmons podcasts unless uh, Chuck Klosterman is on. So I did not listen to this, but a bunch of people brought up Bill Simmons and KOC talking about the Sixers. Um, they both said that Brett Brown should have been fired last year or something. But Nick says, forever banned Bill Simmons had Kevin O'Connor on his latest podcast to circle jerk on Luka and the Celtics while poo-pooing the Sixers 6-3 six and three start despite it being a new team and barely having a full starting lineup play together. Anyway, they mentioned the idea of trading Tobias Harris to Oklahoma City for Chris Paul. And while I know we shouldn't rush to make any judgments outside of Ben probably not becoming a shooter this year, I kind of like the deal. Chris Paul has an outrageous salary of $38 million this year, but his contract is two years shorter than Tobias's current deal. Tobias is currently our fourth option most nights, and his jumper has failed him since coming to Philly, obviously because of the Wells Fargo Center. Um, that being said, he's improved on defense and entering the prime years of his career. I think if we're able to get an asset or two from Oklahoma City and a deal such as swapping the two, then we could use those assets to further improve the depth. Here's my idea of a trade in which OKC would include a pick such as the Miami 2023 to send to Minnesota. We get CP3 in Covington um, and we trade. Um, uh, what is it? Shoot. He sent the thing. I think it was Thibel. Um, wait, hold on. Let me look at the email. I'm sorry. Um, no. There it is. Um, we would basically give up Tobias and we would give up, um, Mike Scott, Zaire Smith and Jonah Bolden. Um, and we would get back, uh, Chris Paul and Robert Covington. Would you trade Tobias Harris for Chris Paul? Um, oh, you're thinking about it more than I thought you yeah, would. No, I don't think I would. It'd be interesting. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it for a little. See what it looks yeah, like. Love, love a, love a, love a uh, what's it called? A, a Big Barker style at home trial and return if I don't like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, I, th I, I just think. The be the good the good parts of Tobias allow you to run your team through Simmons and Embiid, and I don't think the Chris Paul experiment would allow that to happen. Would you do it for Kyle Lowry? Uh, probably. He has two years. Yeah. Probably. Would. And then finally from Tim. Spike and Mike, longtime listener, first-time writer. This is a new, not a new concept, and part of me wouldn't even want it discussed on the pod because I don't want this type of content reaching our boys midseason. But would you trade Ben Simmons for? Uh, essentially, it's would you trade Ben Simmons for um, uh, Damian Lillard? Uh, yeah, maybe. And, uh, by the by the whoa, you would maybe. James, I mean, James I was very but, good. Uh, he did mention that Ben Simmons on Portland would be kind of cool too, because he's playing with CJ McCollum, which we know would be a a good fit, having a a guy that can run point and can also shoot. I would guess that night. I think Portland would almost certainly say no. Yeah, my gut says the Sixers, Sixers would also say no, but James is very good. He can hit shots from just everywhere. Him and Embiid pick and roll would be really cool. Still You've changed on him a lot over the last couple of years I have. on Dame. I really have. Yeah. You're right. 
Maybe. I don't know. I have no more takes. My takes are dry. I save my takes for the playoffs. Guess what? <laughs> I flipped the switch in the playoffs. I am fucking <laughs> dogging it all season long, just getting through it. You can't be on drugs in the playoffs. No, no drugs. Um, my body yeah, feels I mean, great right now. And that's Damian Lillard. probably a problem. <laughs> Damian Lillard is awesome. And I think you would, yeah, I don't think it either team. And by the way, it couldn't happen until next year anyway, because of salary. But um, all right. Well, we will be back this weekend. The Sixers play the Knicks on Friday. Am I right on that one? Got to win. Yeah. What a dog let's, shit let's, franchise. The Knicks? Yeah. Boy. I mean, to to want to fire the coach after putting together a roster with all power forwards. We didn't expect really it to else. go like this. Well, that's on you, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly on them, I would say. I agree. All right. Uh, well, well, watch Perfect Harmony. New episode yes. coming out. It is the Thanksgiving episode, if I'm oh. not mistaken. And I might be mista- mistaken. I don't. I think. I think it's a Thanksgiving episode, or a close. Watch to find out. Watch to if find it's out. Thanksgiving. It is. Uh, it's very good. It's on Hulu. Watch it. My episode, which is uh, called Rivalry Week, which was named after the college basketball week, um, and nobody called us on it, so we did it. So watch Perfect Harmony, and uh, I don't know if you saw, but my girlfriend Alyssa and Lakers correspondent started a podcast about reality TV. So subscribe to Table Flipping, which is also delightful. Anything else to promote? We, I'm, I'm just podcast. I'm more podcast than man at this point. This is just yeah. who I am. I, I, I was on with, uh, I was on House of Strauss on yesterday, whatever yesterday was, with uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss. So, yeah, so you can listen. To, we Any beef? Don't really talk. Uh, what, no, well, he wanted to talk about the, the he uh, wanted to talk about the Denver day on Monday that I had, which was, one of the, the I, I would say, the most amusing and annoying days on the internet that I've ever had. It's a long list. Um, yeah. It started with, it started with a, a, a Denver morning show inviting me on to fight with me about Nikola Jokic, and the day ended Which you with, gotta respect. Yes, absolutely, and I fucking leveled them. Um, and then it ended with a CBS Denver reporter doing a FaceTime interview with me um, about my theory that Denver should not have any home sports because of the altitude difference and what I was planning to do about that. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a long day. So what a ride. That's a pot. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you this weekend uh, on Saturday. They'll never lose again. T- yeah. Until next time they lose. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, like me.
forever.